our heritage is preserved because these artisans practice these heritage art forms. Otherwise, our children would not get to see these art forms, you know. And it's not just for Madhubani, for many other languishing or dying art forms around the world. So I felt it should be way beyond contributing to their lives or supporting these artisans. It's more about how could the system support them in a way that they support our existence on this planet, right? Welcome to Better Business Founder, the podcast for purpose-driven business founders seeking to build a meaningful business on their own terms. I'm Liki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how better business founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Are you ready to create change with your business? If so, let's go. So today for the first episode of the new season of Better Business Founder, I am beyond thrilled to share with you my conversation with Hita Chandelia, founder and CEO of Mithila Smita, an award-winning social enterprise in India. Ihita's entrepreneurial journey is really, really inspiring. After her grandmother passed away, she quit a high-flying corporate job and invested her savings to focus on the development and promotion of the ancient Indian art form called Mithila paintings. Mithila Smita does not only provide jobs to women in rural India, but also aims at keeping Mithila's paintings alive so this tradition could be passed on to future generations. And most importantly, this business strives to reinforce the pride of this heritage art form, as Mithila's Smita precisely means Mithila's pride. In this conversation, Ehita will walk us through the journey of building this business from the ground up and what she's doing now every day to make it become even more resilient so it could create more value to people and to the world. This conversation really made me ponder on the power of a small business. There are so many learnings from Ihita's approach with Mithila's paintings that we could benefit from in the universal challenge of preserving the heritage of any ancient art form. This is a real challenge, wherever you are in the world. I really love this conversation and I learn a lot, so I hope that you will too. Please welcome Ihita Shandilia. Come Ihita. Thank you. Thank you, Liki. I'm very glad to have you here today with us. Can you tell me where you're from, where you're originally from, and where you're talking from today? Uh, today, I'm talking from New Delhi in India. Uh, and I originally hail from Madhubani, which is a place in the state of Bihar in India. And also, I promote the art, which is also coincidentally called Madhubani paintings because it belongs to the region to which I belong. So this is in the north, uh, in the eastern part of India, this place. And uh, this place is known for the painting because the painting is one of the most ancient art forms of India, practiced by women of the society of that region, because of which it has been awarded geographical indication tag as well. Uh, and also I belong to this community of women who practice this art. Uh, however, I am not an artist. I promote these artists 
and my uh, ancestors you know uh, the women have been practicing this art for ages and uh, it's been passed on from one generation to another by the women of the family so a uh, very interesting thing is like it's part of our uh, heritage it's part of our culture it's practiced by women so it's something which promotes women's creativity and above everything uh, my grandmother she was a world renowned social activist who used madhubani paintings as a tool to bring a change in this part of the world where patriarchy rules and women have been given less privileges for centuries and she in a way she brought a lot of empowerment in these women socio economic empowerment by using their own creativity as a tool to bring the change so for me i grew up my childhood was spent at the ngo of my grandmother my weekends used to be spent there i used to literally play with the children of these artisans these women artisans who practiced the art at her ngo called seva mithila and my late grandmother was my biggest inspiration in life because i saw her dedication her passion for these rural women artisans and she always gave them so much respect they she always said that artists are the ones there is a goddess in our culture called saraswati ma uh, basically we say like she resides in those who practice creativity who learns who kind of gains knowledge and my grandmother always used to say that these artists are saraswati ma so uh, i saw her respecting these women i saw her respecting the artisans i saw her respecting the art and then i saw these artisans flourishing at her ngo and uh, as for me i grew up to be a science lover i grew up to be an engineer and then i went on to do corporate jobs it was a very different world and almost after a decade of my corporate career there came a time when uh, i i saw that as a women you know uh, in this part of the world and i would say in every part of the world there are few challenges that you always face just because you're born as a women as as a girl as a woman so uh, i felt like there has to be some contribution from me to the women and importantly there, that was the time when i was uh, on a maternity break from ibm my then employer and i saw my grandmother's ngo had shut down in lack of a successor i saw the artists of her ngo wandering in search of work in search of livelihood and that quite pained me and i felt like maybe my degree my experience my my memories my emotional bond with these artisans could be of some help to kind of bring them to the the real world to the industry and to kind of bring some opportunities for these artisans and that was the time when i started with the concept with a simple concept called mithila smita which literally means mithila and asmita the pride of mithila mithila was the ancient kingdom where madhubani painting was practiced in the books in the history books that ancient kingdom was called mithila so uh, i literally named it as mithila asmita asmita means pride so we said that let this art be the pride of this region and let this brand this social business be promoted as uh, the pride of the region these women's art and that's how uh, i started it part time for the first two years after which i realized that i need to dedicate myself completely to it and i quit my corporate career completely i mean i had used my salary to fund the initial phases 
And then I thought like, no, I need to uh, kind of grow. I need to uh, be more dedicated. I need to uh, expand the work. And that's how I started. But then uh, eventually I started realizing that to sustain, we started with a small gallery, but as an entrepreneur yourself, Leaky, I'm sure you would understand how difficult it is to sustain. It's, it's not so easy to start. It, it is difficult, but it's even more difficult to sustain things. And that's where I started thinking about my own background of consulting and how uh, I've developed contacts with the corporates and how possibly the art could be introduced uh, as merchandise and gifts, as corporate gifts to these corporates. And maybe that could give a more sustainable form of revenue and more sustainable form of livelihood to these women artisans. And also the museums, uh, I saw that uh, some of their souvenirs were handmade. And I feel like some of our handmade merchandise products could be introduced to museums. So that was a kind of beginning, I would say. And uh, that that's how I got started. Yeah. So is it is it the reason why you pivoted from uh, NGO to a social enterprise? Yes, yes. Honestly, when I started, uh, started off, it, the idea was to have just an NGO. And then uh, I realized that also, there is a kind of a sentiment where people want to contribute to the lives of artisans. But if you give it a very, very uh, serious thought, these artisans, the surviving artisans, the ones who are left now, they are contributing to our lives more than we are contributing to their lives. Our heritage is preserved because these artisans practice these heritage art forms. Otherwise, our children would not get to see these art forms, you know. And it's not just for Madhubani, for many other languishing or dying art forms around the world. So I felt it should be way beyond contributing to their lives or supporting these artisans. It's more about how could the system support them in a way that they support our existence on this planet, right? And that's where I felt corporates, museums and governments have a huge role to play in this by giving them sustained orders and sustained means of livelihood. And that, that's how we converted from it. So the clients of Mithila Smita are governments, museums and corporates. So why do they buy why do they buy art? Yeah. So uh, first of all, corporates in India, even corporates like Coca-Cola or Tata's or uh, some of the big names, they invariably there is a gifting culture. They have to gift to their partners, to their clients, to their employees regularly on various festive occasions and things like that. And uh, it's it's a common practice to give something which is more of uh, connected to the roots, which is more, uh, you know, like uh, now even more, it's, it's called a responsible gifting where they have to be conscious of what is being gifted to you. What, what meaning, what purpose does it serve and how is it significant? And that's where by choosing something which is connected to the heritage of our country than giving something randomly made in a factory, you know, it just adds so much value to the gifting idea, you know, to the to the purpose of gifting. And that's where corporates go for it. Similarly, for government, they they, they also have to gift for on various occasions. And this is the same thing. Museums, they have their shops, which in a way helps support the, the existence of museums, the souvenirs sold at various museum shops help uh, 
continue the operations of many museums around the world. And that's why the museum shops have to be very creative in terms of what they have in their shops, which can help people contribute to the museum's operations. And that's where we, we try to make innovative products, handmade products for the museum shops. So I was telling you that our listeners are mainly uh, fashion business founders, and you told me that you're also in fashion. You also work in fashion. Oh, so yes. how, what's, the, what's the relationship with fashion? Oh, yes, big time. I must tell you that uh, paintings was just one form of our merchandise, and we saw that it definitely has a market in interior designing and other areas. But one of, the, one of our best sellers till date has been our scarves. Oh. And these scarves are... These scarves are beautifully hand painted in the mm. tradition with the traditional, uh, you know, in the traditional style with the traditional motifs. And all those motifs of Madhubani, like birds, elephants, deers, uh, you know, a lot of lot of things. And very intricately, they are free hand painted. So, you know, you don't get to see such beauty in machine-made stuff. And each and every piece uh, is a unique piece of art, the the scarves that we make. Also, through these scarves, we promote the various silks and cottons of India. So that's another way of, you know, kind of having something in your collection, which is so indigenous in nature. So uh, as I said, like scarves is one of the things. We also introduced our bags, like we've started into bags very recently. Scarves have been into existence for quite some time, and we've been supplying these scarves to corporates, museum shops, uh, governments. now we are starting, we have recently started with bags and purses and clutches, ladies' clutches, and these are even even small sling bags, which have a little bit little bit of art on it. And uh, it adds a very ethnic feel to something which is trendy. And uh, again, that's a very ethical fashion because every piece is hand-painted by, by one artisan. And uh, in fact, m- most of our scarves are signed by the artist who's made it. So that makes it such a unique piece of art. If you can check out some of our collection on artandher.com. It's A-R-T-N, as in Netherlands, N-H-E-R-Her.com. So there you can see some of our collections. But uh, many a times, because all these pieces are one piece, many a times they're sold before we even uh, posted there. So uh, just for an idea, you know, uh, they are there. And... Uh, as I said, like they, they add to your ethical fashion collection, you know, and uh, they have the very different piece of art in a way. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing. And, and, and we keep innovating with other stuff. But I think scarves and bags are definitely part of our ethical fashion collection. Coming back to um, when you decided to take over this this the heritage of your grandmother and decided to turn into a business. It must have been a little bit scary. How was, how was the experience? You know, how did you start? What challenges were you facing? I must tell you, it was quite a bit of challenge. Also because of the previous era, when they supported artisans, it was mainly through grants and donations. My grandmother used to be funded by UN, by Oxfam, by Port Foundation and the government and all of that. And when uh, I entered this sector, uh, donations had kind of dried up, uh, grants had kind of moved to other sectors in India. And also it was seen as something very uh, kind of a mixed sector where uh, I felt like 
also i was not very convinced about why should something which has a value in the market uh which can be sold people can pay for owning that piece of art why should it be seen as something as something charitable why couldn't people pay for it you know just being respectful mindful of the fact that it's been handmade by somebody and paid the right price for it so uh it was a lot of challenge i must tell you like my acumen fellowship helped me a lot because it came at an at a very early stage in my life and that was the first recognition i was one of the uh, inaugural cohort members of acumen uh, fellow and uh, the the sessions the seminars the discussions they were so immensely helpful in just understanding myself what mm-hmm. i intend to do what i intend to achieve and it helped me sort out my own journey in a lot of ways in so many ways and uh, that actually helped me understand that i'm trying to build a system which is not existing which is non existent so far and this system will take time i have to be patient with it and this system has a purpose so in a way by the time my grandmother aged uh, i could see that uh, because she could not represent herself to every meeting so the funds were kind of drying up the donations were kind of drying up because she had become the official uh, representation she had become the official face of this entire organization and honestly i dream of a day when mithila smita the organization should exist without me i mean it should not suffer even when i'm not heading it when i'm not leading the organization so uh, to make that happen i have to ensure that mithila smita should become self sustainable it should reach a stage where the team can pull it off they don't need to see my face to to kind of place orders you know for these artisans or or you know to kind of sustain things and for that to happen uh, i had to build a business a social business a responsible business and what i learned at acumen fellowship was like i was doing the right thing i was just doing the right thing though it was a tough tough thing so it was a difficult decision but it was the right thing to do and uh, i had to be patient with that and i think that kind of gave me a lot of push in us in so many ways to continue and to reach where i am right now today so uh, yeah it, it's a total different approach because instead of asking for money you need to go to corporate and sell it and finance your company so it's a complete shift in your business model and also i believe in um in the staff that were involved in uh in running the ngo now all of a sudden you're telling them oh you're not working ngo now we are corporate so that's so yes that's quite difficult wasn't it i believe that 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 is a, a quite challenging that that became a big challenge for us and also because india wasn't prepared for it so we had to work with very limited staffs mm-hmm. we had to uh, rely a lot on interns uh, sometimes mm-hmm. unpaid interns uh, uh, because we had to manage the show till the time we reached the level where we could afford afford everything you know but somewhere we didn't want to lose the core vision the purpose mm-hmm. of forming this organization to to reach where we wanted to reach and that's where uh, we understood like eventually right during my fellowship time i realized that uh, there were organizations who wanted to support but they didn't want to come out of the traditional mindset of 
just contributing to the lives of the artisans in in various ways like this lighting of their homes because they were they were villages with no, not proper supply of electricity so they wanted to provide solar lights or some of them who wanted to add to their uh, you know cultural activities so that they could le- lead a more satisfying life and things like that so then uh, i reached a stage where a lot of brainstorming happened I, and i realized that i need to have a hybrid model and so i continued to have my charity and uh, the social business the enterprise took care of the corporate government and uh, museum orders or individual orders at times too while the charity uh, made sure that it organized events for these artisans it organized charitable uh, and welfare activities for these artisans and things like that so eventually i had to create a hybrid model and now we are continuing with the hybrid model as of now and that's how it has happened so far but the international business is taken care by the enterprise yeah so can you tell us a little bit more about your international business so we have worked with a couple of museums uh, like rubin museum uh, in new york british museum in london we have recently got uh, one order from british museum then we are also in talks with few other museums in london again and uh, also we have worked with a couple of cultural institutions and we are also in talks covid disrupted a bit of our discussions this year but uh, definitely in maybe a year or so from now we hope to announce more uh, collaborations a lot of people uh, internationally from us australia uk have individually ordered scarves from us paintings from us so that is like individual orders have always helped us continue the, to run the show uh, but yes now we are heading more towards b2b tie ups like uh, you know directly with the cultural institutions and the museums So that's how it's been and uh, we we look forward with this recent UN Women Award that has come our way as a gender equality champion in the marketplace category. Uh that is just one. We need to mention that it just won it. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> we just we were just the national winner. We just won it. Yeah, thank you very much. So with this we look forward to expanding our business in Europe and uh, other parts of the world. and uh, to help uh, people around the world access some of our beautiful art pieces and uh, art merchandise which are very unique in themselves yeah and then they have a, a purpose to serve too yeah on one hand uh, you're developing a business but on the other hand you're creating value in your customers life because you are carry on a tradition that otherwise will not sustain if you were not around and you're also providing jobs for those people that are passionate about creating art how would you define success in your business i think uh, i always believe that success is in creating that system that system which kind of holds the vision this vision of creating sustainable uh, livelihood and things like that but at the same time i also feel success is when as an individual the the initiator the pioneer becomes dispensable i think i think that's success because if that system is created i'm sure the world would always be enriched i'm sure people would always have jobs i'm sure the creativity would always support lives 
that is success. Success in my terms uh, isn't just the revenues that we make, but it's the value addition that we do to every stakeholder's life. That stakeholder could be a client who's purchasing from our organization and institution, which is choosing to buy their merchandise, their gifts from our organization, or an artisan who's contributing her artwork to the organization for further sale. So I think enriching all their lives is success. What is the vision of the world that you have for your children when they grow up? How would be this world like? I think um, I have been a science lover, you know. I have always loved science and I've loved technology. But there also came a stage when I felt like there is a mad, mad rush to just understand technology. And in the process, we are losing the understanding of art and beauty and emotions somewhere in this mad rush. And my vision is when we could spread the knowledge, the, the beauty, the understanding of art, not just Indian art like Madhubani, but all those beautiful arts around the world, which have been there for ages, for centuries, for I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of years. If we could spread that knowledge, that essence to our future generation, if they know, they understand, they feel, if they could touch it, feel it for themselves, I think the world would be a more calmer and peaceful place to live in. And this would have a huge healing touch to our existence, you know. Just look at how we all suffered during COVID and how art has added so much value to any form of art that could be painting, that could be dance, that that could be singing, that could be gardening, that could be just uh, having a nature walk, you know, a simple thing like that. We, as a world, we are losing all these things. And these beautiful traditional art forms, you know, they, they just bring us closer to all this. So I, I hope the future generations, the children in this world, they should feel happy that we have left something to them. We have not ruined everything that were gifted to us. We have passed them on uh, as we found them or maybe in, even in a better shape, you know. And your business is definitely supporting this vision. So what's what's next? What's the, what's the new projects for Mithila Smitha? For Mithila Smitha, uh, the most important thing right now is to serve dual purpose of expanding within the country. Because even in the country, there are a lot of corporates who are not yet aware of our beautiful, uh, exclusive uh art-based gifts that we make and merchandise that we make so that, you know, they can, they can be a part of this revolution of sustaining the, the livelihoods and preserving the art. And uh, also, we, at the same time, now we also intend to expand our work internationally, as I said, primarily in Europe and uh, also in other parts of the world. So uh, that's another thing on our agenda ever since because we were part of a UN women's program recently called Industry Disruptor. And uh, that's where uh, scaling up of our work and uh, expanding of our work is something that we truly look forward to. 
So with that, I'm sure you'll get to, well, maybe in times to come, you'll get to see a lot of our scarves and bags and Medir merchandise. I'm sure, yeah. At maybe many international airports around the world. And <laughs> and yeah, so um, that's our vision uh, for the next couple of years. And in the meantime, where people can find you and find your beautiful products if they want to buy? So Art and Her is our portfolio website as of now. However, because of COVID, currently we have restricted ourselves to B2B model uh, till things get sorted out a bit because logistics have been a challenge right now. However, in a few months, like maybe about four to six months down the line, we hope that because of the great success in discovering the vaccines, we hope logistics would be back to normal. And that's when artandher.com would be more uh, updated with our latest collections. And then people can definitely buy from the website. Also, they can order through our WhatsApp number, official WhatsApp number, any particular merchandise of their choice, and we would be happy to serve them. And I put that in the show notes, the website and the WhatsApp number. And WhatsApp number, yeah. Right, yeah. I'll do that, yeah. Okay, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Liki, for this wonderful opportunity. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. Thank you, take care. Thank you, bye. Thank you so much for listening. Did you like this episode? If you've enjoyed listening to Better Business Founder, why don't you share this podcast with a friend that could also benefit from these conversations? You can also subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and leave a review to help other people find these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. Hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. And I would love to hear from you because I believe that your business is the catalyst to create the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm.